Welcome to the Navit Gaming Podcast, where it is our mission to explore the business and future of video games. We bring together the industry's brightest builders, investors, and thinkers to keep a pulse on current events, dissect emerging trends and games, share lessons learned, and have a great time. This podcast is also part of Novik's growing ecosystem, which ranges from free and premium research to consulting and advisory services. For more information, visit www.novik.co. This episode is brought to you by Zebedee, which welcomes you to a new era of monetization and user retention. Zebedee provides a plug-and-play API and SDK for seamless integration of instant, borderless, and low-fee payments using the Bitcoin Lightning Network. With fees less than one cent, Zebedee powers over 4,000 developers across sectors, processing millions of transactions monthly. You too can unlock the potential of borderless transactions to better engage and monetize your global user base, including the unbanked, and simplify the way you handle payments. Start for free at Zebedee.io, integrate with just a few steps, and monetize your experiences. Again, that's Zebedee.io, or check out the link in the show notes. And with that, let's jump into the episode. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Navig Gaming Podcast. Today, we're talking about a topic that has caught my fascination a lot in the recent past content creator programs. These are dedicated programs designed to incentivize and reward the creators in one's community so as to drive growth. It isn't the newest of growth strategies, but a quick Google search will showcase their growing popularity, especially with companies like Ubisoft, Scopely, MiHoYo, EA, Bandai Namco, MyGames, and the list kind of goes on. And all of these companies are hosting their own programs to drive growth across their product portfolios. At Navic, we've looked into a few uh, of these programs through our public writings and consulting projects. And... I personally and also the broader team were constantly amazed at how effective this growth strategy can be when done right, of course. So today we're going to focus on breaking down the current state and potentially the future of content creator programs. And to do this, we're joined by Justin Sachs, who is the CEO of Nexus, a turnkey solution to building, managing and growing content creator programs. Also, Nexus is one of our Open Gaming Research Initiative partners. So thank you, Justin, for making it here today. I appreciate it. Awesome. So yeah, my intro is uh, very brief about you, but I'd love the listeners to get to know you a little bit better. Maybe you could briefly tell us about your journey into games, your path to CEO of Nexus, uh, and also what Nexus does. Sure. Yeah, I have a probably a weird entry into the industry, but I've been in games about 15 years. I actually got started as a competitive gamer. So this is before esports was really a word, much less a whole industry. But I played a few different games competitively. And then I became a content creator myself. That meant writing blogs and making videos for YouTube and that sort of thing. When I was at university, I built a little coaching website for League of Legends. I knew most of the top streamers and the top players. And then I ended up joining a media company out of school that was called Curse. Curse owned and operated most of the large PC gaming communities and websites and tools. I worked with them from when they were like 30 people up until Curse was acquired by Twitch in 2016. At the time, I was running business development for the media side of the business. And then during the acquisition process is when I left to start building Nexus. And basically, I had a strong belief. This is now more than half a decade ago. So now it'll sound obvious, but I had a belief back then that the way 
discovery happened in gaming, how people learned about games, got excited about games, ended up buying things inside of games, had really changed. And a lot of it was being driven by players' favorite personalities on platforms like YouTube or Twitch or now the Discord servers and communities that they're a part of. But that attribution was really challenging for game publishers. It's hard for them to know, well, who's driving that discovery, which individual content creators to work with. And then if you are a content creator, it's really tough for you to get the credit and the monetization you deserve for driving that discovery and engagement. And so we wanted to build a platform that really is the infrastructure that sits between those content creators or influencers and the game publishers. And so bought a product discovery along the way, but now Nexus, we call ourselves a creator program in a box. Awesome. Awesome. That's great. So I guess, yeah, with that, we can jump into today's uh, discussion, maybe starting with like some more baseline setting questions. Now, this has happened to me a few times where the terms influencer marketing and content creator programs are used almost uh, interchangeably in conversations. But my belief is they can't be any more different from each other, given the business model, relationship management, metric impacts, success criteria and like so much more. So maybe you could kick this discussion off and level set with maybe just telling us the difference between content creator programs and influencer marketing campaigns. Yeah, it's a great question. And I think frankly, content creator program hasn't been fully defined. And so I think it means a lot of different things depending on who you ask and who you're talking to, whether on the content creator side or the game publisher side. Influencer marketing is a little bit more concrete. I think influencer marketing at least traditional influencer marketing, you can think of it as taking budget, marketing budget, and saying, hey, influencer, if you make content for my game, I'll give you some of this budget. Often for YouTube, it's like paying a flat amount per video. And then for Twitch and streaming, it's some amount per hour of, of playing the game. The, the challenge for influencer marketing is all in attribution. It's really almost always purely awareness marketing. It's saying, hey, I want you to tell your audience that my game exists, but we don't really know how many new players you you got for the game. We don't know if those players took any actions, engaged in monetization. All that stuff is really challenging to do with traditional influence marketing, especially for PC and console. In mobile, there's a little bit more that you can do with deep links, but usually the friction is the influencer, they don't want to have their audience have to go through a bunch of steps to to follow that tracking process. And really, in my opinion, one of the big challenges of influencer marketing is one of how genuine it is. The most, the most like strong results that you'll find from influencer marketing is when the influencer is playing a game they already love, that they're already familiar with, that they're already excited about. But usually, if you're a game publisher, the influencers you target for influencer marketing are people that have never played your game because you're trying to get a new audience that hasn't, isn't already participating. And that is the big difference with a creator program. Because a creator program is the way not just to get very clear attribution to see the value that those influencers are providing for the game, but a way to reward the influencers for staying in your game and continuing to make content, and then those players to keep engaged with the title. And that's why we, with our creator programs, are really focused on live service titles, because they're a really great fit for that sort of creator program, because you can work with to retain and reactivate the influencers that already love the title and all of the players who used to play or are still playing. Got it. And I guess, yeah, maybe I'll follow up on the authenticity point. Do you find the relationship between the content creator and their audience then to be a little bit more authentic in a program setup versus like an influencer setup where maybe they have to 
I don't know, act excited <laughs> about yeah. about something they're getting paid to do. So the, the core of a creator program, at least the way that we think about it, is revenue share, meaning that the content creator, the influencer, they only get money. So it's pure, it's pure performance-based. They only get paid if they're actually driving sales or specific engagement or actions of players within the game. And that can only happen if they actually like it and if their audience actually likes it. And so like right. a creator program really is a few different things. One is that core revenue sharing piece of, hey, how do you reward the creator for driving certain incentives and driving certain actions? But it's also management. So how do you get the creators to join your program and know that it exists? How do you communicate to them about new activations or opportunities? And then how do you actually have that sort of financial relationship of how do you send money to them? How do you handle taxes at the end of the year? All of that to us is what is like a holistic creator program versus influence right. marketing, which can be like a one-off brand event of, hey, tell your, thing, tell your audience that we exist, which could be similar to like an energy drink or a new keyboard company. It doesn't really have to be a product that they actually care about. And that's usually the problem of influencer marketing is you're disincentivizing the influencer to keep playing your game. Because if they've never played before and you come to them and you say, hey, here's $10,000 to play it. Well, why are they going to keep playing the game unless you give them another $10,000 versus a creator program right. where they only get value if they're driving value for the publisher. And so we really right. look at that sort of ecosystem as, as more of a win-win. Right. Got it. Yeah, I guess maybe that maybe dovetails a little bit into the next question. I guess there are advantages and disadvantages of either approach uh, or either strategy. Maybe you could more clearly outline more strategic advantages and disadvantages of content creator programs versus influencer marketing programs. And also when should developers think about using which approach? Yeah, it's not uh, perfectly clean, but I think it is helpful to think of influencer mar marketing as more helpful for UA and creator programs as more helpful for growth. And that's both for influencers and players, meaning in influencer marketing, let's say your, your game is super new, no influencers know that it exists, and none of them have really played it. Well, doing traditional influencer marketing where you say, hey, I'm giving you this money, come play my game you're more likely to be successful than saying, hey, if you play my game and drive new players and sales, you'll get a reward because that's more of a risk for the influencer. And so if you're really only focused on UA, if you're really only focused on uh, new influencer acquisition in a vacuum outside of those people converting and turning into long-term players, traditional influencer marketing might be a better fit. Versus a creator program, if your game has been out, if you maybe used to have influencers, but they've churned and you'd like to reactivate them, or you have them now, but you really want to retain them, a creator program is the best possible system you can add into the game. And that's not even thinking about the downstream impacts it has on player behavior, where growth really comes into play. And, and it can be really impactful to have a creator program to, to support all of the sort of things that fit into the growth bucket for players. Right. Okay. Makes sense. Yeah, I think I think yeah, that 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 that's pretty clear and that makes sense. I mean, whatever we've kind of discussed until now should also set a more solid foundation for just understanding what the these con content creator programs even are. But maybe now we can get more into why a games business should even have one of these. So maybe you could start with telling us more about what metrics do content creator programs what what like what metrics are they focused on driving? You know, is it player volume, player LTV? Is it a mix of both? Yeah. So one of the one of the most obvious things around a creator program is that okay, if I have a creator program, creators will more creators will play my game, and those creators will make more content. But that's kind of like a squishy, vague 
marketing value that you can't put like clear data behind. But what we've seen with our creator programs that we, we've run and other ones in the space in the industry is, again, that impact on player behavior. And where it's particularly like where I feel if I find the right sort of game that fits the right metrics, I can almost guarantee success is in metrics around retention, reactivation, moving players along the monetization curve, increasing engagement of players. And one of the things to understand that is like not as obvious if you're not really deep into the space is the feedback loop between a player and creator is really profound, meaning the player desperately wants to support their favorite content creator. They want to be able this person that they watch all the time, that they get all this value from their content, they want to give back to them. And if they can do so in a way that is near frictionless, they're absolutely going to do it. And then when they see, if that player sees, hey, my engagement in this game, me buying the new battle pass, whatever it might be, supported my favorite content creator, they're going to end up playing the game more. And they're going to stay in the game longer, buy more things, engage with other systems inside of the game. And so those are some of the metrics we see. And again, that's really around growth. So you know, in short, that's things like, retention of players, reactive in a, uh, reactivation of players, and then having them engage with more systems and buy more stuff. Got it. Yeah, that makes sense. Do you, do you have any benchmarks in terms of what kind of uplift like a content creator program would generally bring in terms of either retention or engagement metrics or even better revenue uplifts? Any benchmarks on, on these metrics? So it does depend on the game. And we can talk about like which games are better suited for creator programs. But some of the things that we've seen that we've been really proud of with our own partnerships are players that interact with a creator program and retaining twice as long. So whether you measure D7, D30, D180, whatever it is, about twice as many players will still be playing if they've interacted with the creator program. We've seen players move along that monetization curve. So usually when we're showing our data and testimonials to, to prospective partners, they're like, okay, but these metrics are of like the best cohort of the game. Aren't you just measuring the best players? And some of that right. is true. Like, yes, your best players will end up in interacting with the creator program, but also they become your best players partly because they're interacting with the creator program. And so we right. see things like people will change their spending and buy multiple times more purchases per month than what they were doing before interacting with the creator program. One of the biggest things is on reactivation. So we've seen if a player reactivates through a content creator versus any other source, they like they have a 5x retention versus a 2x of just like the normal interaction. There's when you're thinking of channels in order to reactivate churned players, one of, if not by far the best channel you can think of is through content creators. Get the creator to tell the player of, hey, maybe you haven't played in two months, six months, a year. There's all these new systems in the game, come and check it out. And those folks will stick around longer because now they're engaging outside of the game with that content. Maybe one like last follow up on this before kind of jumping to uh, how like how best to build a program. But is there like a more dark side to this a little bit where if a, a content creator who used to love a game now maybe doesn't love it given like certain updates that happen to it, certain gameplay changes and he drops off or he or she drops off and basically also takes his or her following with them. Does that has has have you seen like any kind of negative impacts on that side? Or is it mostly muted? Well, yeah, I mean, retention of the content creators is really paramount. It, it also depends on the life cycle of the game. The more mature a game is, the more important any individual influencer or content creator is going to be for that title. I don't, it's not necessarily true that they bring all of their audience with them to whatever game they move to. 
But the players that in, that engage with that content, that audience, they become much less engaged with the game, and they are likely to to churn out as well. But I don't know if it's it's going to be a balance of like the incentive versus the interest. Meaning, like if the influencer no longer enjoys the game because the game has fundamentally changed, or some system that they loved is no longer inside of it, I don't think you can like keep them by offering them money. It's more about right. the like positive cyclical nature of if they do love the game and there is a creator program on top of it, then it really creates profound effects. But influence, like traditional influencer marketing is a better route if it's more just like, hey, I need you to play this thing to bring this right. audience. Right. The problem is it's a lot more short term because they're, yeah. then they're only going to engage with the game when you're paying them the money. Right. Yeah, I guess like the other side benefit of uh, a content creator program is, you know, if the content creator itself is not interested in the game anymore, but maybe there's a good portion of the of his or her audience that is, then, uh, you know, the audience could basically also play a role in convincing the content creator to continue playing a little bit. So I guess that's like an ancillary retention benefit for the content yeah. creators. That, that's a very real thing of players encouraging their creators to join programs of players in, encouraging the publisher to launch a program, but it also has to do with the sort of program that you're running. Cause it's not, it doesn't have to be just a fire and forget thing where you launch it and then never think about it. A lot of right. basically all of our partners run activations nearly monthly, if not bi-weekly of, Hey, there's some special thing a player can get if they're supporting a creator or there's some new exclusive skew or some additional currency or whatever it might be. And, and that can really keep the creators engaged and the players engaged, but also that sort of activity helps that if a creator does churn for some reason, that players find another influencer or content creator and then keep within the system and keep being that sort of really engaged player. Nice. Yeah, very, 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 very interesting. Knowing that content creator programs have the potential to drive those kinds of metrics and the upside that you mentioned, let's get into more on the how. So knowing that content creator programs have the potential to drive those kinds of metric upsides that you mentioned. What do you think are the key ingredients or building blocks to a successful content creator program? Yeah, so there's some foundational and fundamental pieces. And we think of those in three buckets. And and we actually have seen some creator programs go without some of these pieces, which, which I can get into. But the first three pieces are you need the onboarding page. Like, how does a creator know that this program exists? How do they join it? And then you as the publisher, how do you determine who should be a fit or not a fit? And that might be based on followership or type of audience or amount of content created or whatever it might be. So that onboarding piece is the first bucket. The second piece that we think is really important, but frankly, some folks haven't had and we think could really elevate their program is dashboarding. And it's both for the publisher, but also the creator. So the creator having a dashboard means in real time, they know when they've driven value. And so having that really tight feedback loop of when the creator gets their audience to buy something or engage with the system, they know that that happened and they're get, the creator is getting rewarded by that. We think that's really important, but also for the publisher to be able to add a glance, see which creators are performing for which SKUs over what time, all that stuff can be really helpful. And then the third part of it is payouts and taxes. And this can be, and often is, the biggest challenge for game publishers is, okay, let's say You've done a great job and you have dozens or hundreds of creators in your program that are all driving different amounts of money every month that all need to get paid. Well, now your finance team needs to be like find a way to pay out dozens or hundreds of new individual contractors every single month that are in dozens of different countries. And then at the end of the year, pay taxes for all of them. So we think those are like the fundamental pieces of having a creator program. There's some really important things, like I mentioned around activations, 
You can do activations around discounts. So a player can get a discount if they're supporting a creator around additional content. So you get more currency if you're using a creator code or exclusive content, like you get some special stuff. We think that's really helpful as well as other incentives for the creators. Like, hey, we just launched season two. You can get 10% more for the next 48 hours. Those things are really helpful, um, but it's really hard to do some of those like bells and whistles if you're not like a platform dedicated to creator programs, if you're just building it first party. But those are some of the needs to have in order to make it happen. I think, right. I think okay. there's a bunch we can talk about on top of that that can be really helpful. But in, like, yeah, those are the fundamentals to making it possible. Got it. Makes sense. Yeah, I guess, yeah, one uh, other angle that would be good to hear about is more on the product side itself, like the games, how should, basically how, how, how the game should be kind of designed or created in such a way that they're enabling or fostering a pretty rich uh, content creator program. But we can get to that question in a bit, talk about the more product side of it, but maybe slightly related to the key building blocks or in your opinion, how does one kind of measure the success of a content creator program? How do you know it's working or, and when do you know it's not working and you should probably shut it down? Yeah. So I I mentioned in the beginning, like the, The one almost table stakes piece is the creator activity. So having a creator program should get more people making content and then the creators that are already making content to make more of that content. So you can measure that, that sort of thing of like, okay, well, how many creators are streaming the game? Are they, are they growing in viewership? That sort of stuff. But also I really like, and I'm very biased of course, but I like have a strong belief and we have a bunch of data showing that the impact on player behavior is significant too. And so you should be measuring that sort of thing, which is anything from, hey, you had a player in the game and then they you introduced a creator program. What was their activity before? And then what is it after? Are they now playing more? Are they spending more? Are they becoming a better player? Measuring all that sort of stuff. Also around player acquisition, are creators bringing in new players? Or one of the biggest metrics that we see is creators have a significant impact on creator on player conversion, meaning converting a free-to-play player into a monetizable player. And so you measure stuff like that, and then you can see the impact that it's having relative to the cost. And there is a real cost to having a creator program, namely the revenue that you're sharing with a creator and then with a platform that is developing and building it for you. And so you need to be able to see that data and those attributions around, okay, what was the player behavior before interacting with the creator program? What is it after? Did they drive meaningful incremental revenue? And then all this squishy stuff around like the marketing side is, are we getting more content? Are we getting more viewership? Those sort of things. I think right, okay. that's where like the value of a pure performance-based program is really helpful because there's no upfront cost. Like It's not like you're putting $200,000 in marketing budget and then hoping to see some ROI down the line. No, you, you only actually spend money if sales are really happening. If, if the player used a creator code to make a purchase, that's the only time the creator gets credit and gets money for making that possible. Right. Makes sense. Yeah, I guess that also dovetails pretty well into the next question since you mentioned cost, all this juicy upside in terms of retention, engagement, and potentially monetization, all of it has a cost, a pretty real cost, like you said, attached to it. Maybe you could uh, shed some light on what kinds of uh, resources are required to set up one's first attempt at a content creator program. And also, is there is there a build versus partner versus buy decision to be made over here? Yeah, so I'll talk around the first party costs. First, like if you want to build it yourself, there's a few things that you need to do. 
One is the actual user experience inside of the game. So you're going to need to make it like, how does the player choose which creator they're going to support? You're going to have to make that like front end part possible. Second is the attribution and then hopefully the dashboarding, which is at least you as the publisher need to know when a player supports a creator by buying something, you need to know what was bought. So the SKU information, how much was spent on it and which player it's supporting so that you can do the payouts for the creator. Hopefully you also build the dashboarding for creators, but Again, that's a pretty big engineering uplift to, to make all that stuff happen. And then there's the evergreen financial side of you're going to now have your accounting team have to pay out a different number, but in the dozens or hundreds of individuals every single month, some different amount, and they're all going to be in a bunch of different countries. You're going to have to do taxes for them at the end of the year and all that sort of stuff. And that has mm-hmm. nothing to do with the also evergreen part of influencer management of you're going to have to be working with these people. You should run activations for them monthly. You should be communicating with them when they have questions or they have problems. And all of that is a big uplift that frankly has nothing to do with building a game, which is why, again, we're very biased, but we recommend partnering with folks that this is all that they do. And even if you get those fundamental pieces done, usually what we've seen for first-party creator programs is it's really like a one-time build and then they like just kind of leave it and hope that it continues to be successful. And what that means is that you're missing a bunch of things that can make a creative program really impactful. So for example, if you launch that thing I just mentioned, probably what's going to happen is whichever creators you onboard in the first wave will probably be the only creators you're ever going to add because your accounting team will get really mad at you if you try to add any more. Two, they're all going to have the exact same revenue share. So every creator, regardless of size or audience or type of content, will all be getting the same amount of money per sale. And also, every SKU will have the same revenue share. When it's really important to change that, you like what we've seen is you want to offer more revenue share for things like battle passes, but maybe less for hard currency, so that you can engage or you can incentivize the exact sort of behavior that you're looking for. And that that's all like the actual in-house stuff. Not even talking about how you engage with the creators and bring in new ones and communicate with them and all that sort of stuff. Um, versus partnering, so. Folks like us, that kind of all, all of those pieces I mentioned come turnkey. And the only part that is duplicated that the publisher still has to do is that user, that like UX part inside of the game. We can't like when the player is choosing which creator to support in the account flow or in the purchase flow, the publisher is going to have to make that. Now, folks like us have built SDKs with Unity and Unreal and SDK generators to make that really easy and drag and drop UI and, and code and stuff to, to make that more simple. But that is something that always has to be done in order to have a creator program. There needs to be a way for the player to choose which creator to support. Right. Plus also, I guess the relationship management with the different creators, is is that more on the studio side or is that more on Nexus's side then? It depends. It depends on the publisher and what they want. Usually if there's a really, really tight... So we offer three different types of structures of programs. One is an open program meaning any creator can, can join, they just hit a button, they become a content creator inside of that creator program. The second one is an application-based program where the creator will attach their socials, so their YouTube and Twitch and Twitter and whatever it might be, or their fill-out forms. And then basically the publisher can approve or reject creators to join the program. And the third is a closed program where you invite a dozen creators and those are the only people as part of it. That's another part of the onboarding flow is like having those different systems in place. So anyways, that's one of the things right. that, 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 that we offer. So it depends on the publisher. So based on those structures that I went through, we've found publishers start with the invite-only program where they're like, hey, these, we have these 20 content creators that have been in our Discord for the past year and a half that we work closely with, that we 
talk about upcoming content and get their feedback, but we want to build like a full system for them. Maybe if they start with those folks, they can manage those relationships and then we can jump in to help when they want help. But as they grow the program, usually we're, we're supporting. And so we'll do things like we'll create assets for creators in the program. So you can put something on your Twitch panel or in your YouTube that'll you know, be either a quick video link or a static asset to say, hey, this is my creator code. Here's the process. This is how you can support me. Or we'll run webinars for, for the creators in a, in a given program saying, hey, here's best practices. Here's how you can grow and do better and make you know, content that makes more sense for your audience. Here's what we've seen work really well. So th- those are some of the things that we'll do all the way up to we'll be the ones prospecting potential creators, reaching out, onboarding them, running the activations, managing the whole relationship. So it depends on right. the publisher and what they're looking for. And we're happy to support them in the way that they want to be supported. Right. Yeah, I guess, yeah, there's just like varying degrees also depending on the studio's available time and resources to manage hundreds of uh, creators and, and yeah, keep the program flourishing. But but yeah, okay, all, all of that makes sense. I think yeah, all of that should also roughly cover many of the business angles. But I would like to shift gears and talk more about the product side and the teams themselves. Maybe starting with the product side first. I might be wrong, of course, but it does feel a little bit utopian to me to think that every game product portfolio company can have a successful content creator program. Maybe you can tell me if I'm wrong or not. But yeah, first, can every game actually have a successful content creator program? Or are there certain kinds of games that maybe lend themselves better to this growth strategy? Can any game have a creator program? I mean, the the risk of doing so is so low that I would say you might as well and then see if it can work for you. And we're still fi- we're still finding out monthly like new games that we wouldn't expect to, to perform very well to do really great with their creator program. But we have seen games that we're more confident and can almost guarantee that there's going to have a really successful creator program. And there's really two, two metrics to think about. One is the more core a game is, so the more that there's like a significant depth of strategy, the more that someone spends a lot of time thinking about and playing in a game, the better a creator program is going to be because the more likely there's going to be creator content. It makes more sense for content creators to make that sort of content if there's more things to talk about, if they have to break down all the different strategies and characters and systems and all that sort of stuff. You're going to get more content creators and then a program is going to make more sense. But also the deeper monetization is, We've also seen the program do really well. So like where a creator program over indexes is with like the the really engaged players in a game. So like moving a player from someone who maybe buys a one or two things a month to someone that's buying like five to 20 is when they start engaging with a creator program. And so if you have really deep monetization and you're a really core game, it's a no brainer to have a creator program. The opposite of that, which is like the super hyper casual games that have light to no monetization where it's like really just ad driven going to be really tough for a creator program to be super effective because it doesn't make a lot of sense for creators to make consistent content and they're not going to be able to really drive much purchase behavior and so they might be able to drive referrals or you know engagement in other systems but you know not the the core that you're looking for the other part is premium games have a tough time as well so if you're a one-time purchase game You should have creators, like having a creator strategy is really critical, but I don't know if it makes sense to have a full holistic creator program. If you can get the right creators around launch and pre-order, that's awesome. And that's going to be really useful. It's unlikely if you're a premium game that the creator is going to stick around after they've done a playthrough. It doesn't make a lot of sense for them to keep playing that game 
months later if their audience has already seen the full experience. And frankly, if their audience can only buy the game one time, then a creator program isn't going to make a ton of sense for you. Right. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. Maybe on the hyper-casual side of it, like, yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right, right? Like, these are pretty short experiences and you can't, yeah, there's not enough of content inside one of these games to actually talk about repeatedly. Would you, how would these, but also like a lot of big hyper-casual or the hybrid casual publishers, they also have like huge game portfolios. So when, if they're thinking about a content creator program, would you recommend that they think about it more at like a portfolio level or does that not make any sense? I would think if I was working with one of those sort of publishers, I would think of it more, like, like I mentioned early on that creator programs are like one of, if not the best system you can add for things like, for things on the growth side, for retention, reactivation, monetization, et cetera. But there are things that you can do with a creator program for UA. And so that's a referral program. So like, how do you get right. creators to bring in new audience and then reward those creators? And that can be with in-game rewards or out-of-game rewards. This is also stuff that we offer. Or there can be other sort of bounties of like, hey, if you can get a player to engage by playing 20 games or joining a clan or building a castle or whatever it is, and then you reward the player, but also the creator for those actions, that can be powerful too. And then, yes, I think if you have a large portfolio and there is some deduplication of like a similar experience for the player, then it might make sense to engage with the creator across your portfolio versus if you have a portfolio that is like totally different genres and totally different experiences, creators really stick to a, just a couple of core titles and core experiences. And so getting them to do a crossover when there's really different genres is going to be tough. Right. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. All right. So I guess, yeah, maybe we can move more onto the team portion of it. Once you know that you have the right game for a content creator program, the next question is whether you have the right team to execute on managing it, growing it, and also starting with creating it. And since Nexus has kind of been in the trenches over here, could you maybe outline what kind of skill set is required by a creator program lead? for example, to kind of maximize the chances of success within studios? Yeah, so to just have a creator program, you're going to either need additional headcount or have this certain sort of expertise internal to the publisher on three pieces and then managing as an expert. But on the three sides is engineering, because you're going to need to build the attribution part and the UX part inside of the game and then potentially any dashboards which might be on the web or wherever it is. To the financial side so that you can do payouts and taxes for all, for all the content creators. And then three is that influencer slash community part. And so if you're looking for someone to manage and grow a creator program, so you've already built one or have someone help uh, guide on the structure of a creator program, someone that would be really excellent is usually they come from the community side of games. So they're really, they, they understand why people care about the game, why they talk about the game, why they keep playing or coming back to the game. But also they understand the creator side and, and each game is different. And so we've seen games where 95% of the content creators, the platform they use is Twitch. We've seen other games where their platform is YouTube. We have a game where it's actually just TikTok content creators. And so understanding which sort of creators are the right fit for your game and your community is really important. And so finding that expertise is useful. But the challenge with that is all of those are really more on the soft skills. That's on the community and some of the the marketing side and the influencer side, but the core part of creator programs is actually that data-driven metrics is the player behavior right. impact because this is a revenue, this is like a margin-touching activity that 
when a creator drives a sale, they get a portion of your margin. And so you have to know that this is incremental, that they're driving meaningful player behavior that is something that's positive for the game that you want to have. And so you also really want to have that data expertise and, and knowledge of knowing knowing the sort of things that you should be measuring around like, hey, I need to know when a creator gets a player to use a creator code and make a purchase, was that player already playing the game? Were they already purchasing stuff? What was their behavior afterwards? All of those pieces are really important. And so as you're building out your creator program, make sure that you're gathering that sort of data as well. Anytime you know that flag is checked of a player using a creator code, because we've seen We've had programs where 40% of the players that interact with the creator code had never monetized before. And a big chunk of those were players, but they just were free-to-play players, and they became monetized because of the content creator. We've seen activations where a SKU went on discount inside of a game, and the players using creator codes engaged with it like 12 times more than the players not using creator codes because the creator was able to say, hey, go and check out, there's a new discount, like make sure that you go and check it out and, and, and participate in it. And so if you're looking for the right person to run a creator program, it's unfortunately a really challenging person to find because they both need <laughs> that community and influencer background, which you can find, but they also yeah. need that data background, which you can find. But finding someone that can do both is really tough. And it's such a new practice where there's, literally a handful of first-party creator programs. Then we work with a few dozen through our platform of additional creator programs that finding people that have built or managed really successful ones, there's only a few of those those folks on the planet today. Right. So yeah, I guess it sounds like maybe maybe someone even coming from more the performance marketing side, someone who's uh, been pretty close to the data analysis, uh, ROI analysis side of things would also be a good fit. Maybe it's a two-person team, one with the more data bent and one with the more soft skills uh, bent. Um, but if you had to, if you had to pick one, which one, which one would you prioritize, the data bent or the I, soft skills? I would prioritize the data one, but the but it's someone that just authentically loves the game. If you can find right. someone someone from the performance side who just really likes the game, they play it all the time, and they engage with creators, maybe they don't have a background in influencer marketing, they don't have a background in community management, but they just engage with that naturally, they're going to be able to do a good job. Got it. Yep, that makes sense. Cool. All right. Well, we're uh, coming up on time slowly. So, you know, last two questions. First, where do you think the future of content creator programs is headed given where it is today and kind of the traction that it's picking up? Today, if you have a creator program, you have a competitive advantage. Uh, if you have a creator program, it's really, really powerful because it gets content creators to join your game and stick with your game. But in the future, it will be table stakes. In literally three or four years, every single live service game will have to have a creator program in order to compete. It, it reminds me of influencer marketing. Like when I was at, at Curse on the Media side, this is eight years ago, people weren't doing influencer marketing. But if you started to do it, it was really valuable. Fast forward to today, if you don't have a creator strategy for most games, again, maybe not the hyper casual, but for most games, you're, you're basically dead on arrival. And it's going to be the same thing for creator programs. And so if and, and most publishers are creator program is a word that's thrown around a lot and people are thinking about it. It's just hard to know how do you build it? How much resources is it going to take? What sort of program should you put in a place? But in the next few years, it will become expected in table stakes. And this will become sort of a, a, a naturally growing phenomenon as well. Like once it becomes ubiquitous, like once it becomes expected that a creator can 
have a meaningful amount of revenue from the game that they love, then they're going to be playing the games that have creator programs and not playing the games that don't. And then the publishers then will have to compete to get the creators to join their program instead of their program instead of other ones. So that's where I see the next few years. I think it'll become like just the expected nature for any live service game. You're going to have to have some sort of holistic creator program. It'll need to be part of the growth stack for, for games and studios. And, and it should be. Because like right. when you look at the impact a creator program can have, it's not, it's not a marketing or influence or community activity. It is a, a, a revenue opportunity. Like right. the creator program gets more players to stay in your game and buy more things. Like this directly touches monetization. And so, yeah, it should be, right. it should just be a natural part of the growth stack for sure. Right. But before I ask my last question, I have maybe one more tangential one more related to kind of the genesis of uh, content creator programs. When you kind of talk about it and explain what these programs are right now and just the relationship between the content creators themselves and the studios and how everything is incentivized in this almost perfect way, why do you think it's actually taken so much time for content content creator programs to kind of gain traction? Was it, is it more as a result of people kind of starting with influencer marketing, but then kind of realizing the more perverse nature of it given okay people just do it for the money and then it's not really authentic and such and therefore we need to find a different way or was there like another kind of genesis point for content creator programs i think it's three things one it's actually hard to build like it's a meaningful amount of work on the engineering side but also on like the the accounting and then the the marketing side in order to have a creator program and so it's not a thing that you can just like if you're doing it first party and building yourself you're not just like hey hey team, let's go and launch a creator program next month and see what happens. And so it's not a really easy thing to test. It's really a meaningful focus, unless you have the perfect mix of team members that just love it and know exactly what they're doing. The the second thing I think is the data. I don't think it was known the impact that a creator program can have until really quite recently. Even influencers, it's, it's been like suspected that they have a lot of value in user acquisition and awareness for a while, but it wasn't really known. There wasn't a lot of data or real uh, knowledge around that. But now, as our partners start to share some of their understanding and some of the really large games that have done first-party creative programs, release more of the, the data and results, I think it's becoming more of like an, oh my God, this can have a huge impact. And I think that the third thing is just behavior. Like this is a meaningful behavior change across all parts. So like one, it can be really scary to do any sort of margin dilutive activities in a game, especially without that data and that that's and case studies that have only recently come out. But even think about it from the creator and then the player perspective as well. The creator sort of has to adopt a new habit of telling their audience consistently, hey, use my creator code. Here's the way that you use a creator code, and it's really meaningful when you do it. And so there's things that games can do to help encourage the creators and make it easier for them to do so. That's one of the frictions. But then also for the player, they now have to understand that part of their 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 play and payment flow is using creator codes and supporting their favorite creator. And also, this is all pretty new. Like there wasn't a ton of creators playing a ton of live service games even a decade ago. And so a lot of this thing is just developing kind of as it's as it's being built. But I think we're going to see a really, really rapid adoption. adoption of creator programs over the next, literally in the next year or two. I think in the next, in the next 12 to 24 months, you're going to see Many AAA publishers launch creator programs through third parties and some of them also first party. And then we're going to see just huge adoption across the industry. 
Yep, I definitely agree with that. And I think your company is also named appropriately for <laughs> capturing on, on that on that point when it hits. But great. Yeah, we'll end with our last question then. If there is one creator program you'd recommend everyone to study, which one would it be and why? Okay, I'm going to mention five because I'll, okay. <laughs> and I'll go really fast. But no, I'll go really All right. So the, the one that really was the genesis and started everything, in my opinion, was the Fortnite Supported Creator Program. So like amongst the zeitgeist of Fortnite Battle Royale was their Supported Creator Codes. And I'm, I'm sure many people saw, hey, use code Ninja like everywhere. And, and to this day, Fortnite creators still talk about their Supported Creator Code pretty consistently. Secondly, one of maybe the best one that I can point to that has done like an incredible, incredible job that is also really out there is Supercell. Supercell has done an amazing job with their creator program. They built, and they're fully first party. They've developed and built all of it internally, and they've done such right. a wonderful job. And they've dedicated really meaningful resources and really incredible people behind it. And they've had a lot of success with them. And that's for, for, for games like Clash Royale and Brawl Stars. And, and I think their creator programs have been a really big driver of, of the success behind those titles. And right. they have a whole... Like now they have a whole education program for the creators to help the creators get better. It's they've Supercell's done a really great job. Another one that I'll mention that is that is mostly because the team behind it is absolutely amazing, but is also first party is Stumble Guys from Scopely. Their team has done such an absurdly great job with their creator program without a yep. ton of dedicated resources. So they show that you can build at least the beginnings of a creator program without having to invest a ton of time or resources behind it. And then the last two I'll talk about are partners of ours that I think mm -hmm. have done really, really great. The first is Hi-Rez, particularly with a game called Smite, that what I think they've done so well is the, the focus they've had on really investing energy into the program. So the amount that they've invested of saying, hey, these creators matter, we want to reward them. They've reaped so much results and rewards because of that. Like they've supported the creators. They run activations almost bi-weekly. They've done really cool things where like, you know, creators were immortalized in game with a voice pack. If they won a nice. contest of people using their creator code, they've done special exclusive content. They've done just such a great job of thinking through how do we really support these creators? And they've seen really amazing benefits because of that. And then the last one I'll mention is Ninja Kiwi. They make a game called Bloons TD6 and their creator program has been enormously successful. And I particularly love them because their goal when they launched the creator program was not to make money. It wasn't a, a revenue opportunity and it wasn't a marketing opportunity. It was, hey, these content creators have been loyal supporters of us for years and years and we want to be able to give back to them. And right. they needed a way to do it and we launched a creator program and the creators have benefited a ton, but it's also been really, really impactful for the game itself. So that's that's just been one that I, that I love to see. Nice. Yeah, I actually did not know Bloons has a, a content creator program. But I mean, yeah, the motivation to start it, you know, nothing better than that. Because if you're able to deliver on that motivation, things like money and growth and all the business uh, metrics will follow. So yeah, that's super interesting to hear about Bloons especially. But but yeah, I also think that's like a great way to maybe end it for today. Thank you again, Justin, for coming on and kind of sharing your, you know, valuable experience uh, with everyone. If uh, listeners want to get in touch with you, maybe learn more about Nexus, potentially partner with you to build out their first content creator program. How should they do so? So you can always email me, justin at nexus.gg. You can go to our website, nexus.gg, and learn all about what we do, who we work with, case studies, testimonials, all that sort of stuff. But I'm happy to chat with anyone. 
whether you, you're thinking about building your own creator program or you just want to learn more about it, I'm happy to share that information. And I really appreciate you letting me be here today. Awesome. Yeah. And you can also catch Nexus on our newsletter and uh, podcast since we also kind of put up a lot of their shout outs on, on our content. But yeah, again, thanks again, Justin, for coming on. And thank you, listener, for tuning in. I guess I'll see you again in a couple of weeks with the next interview. But until then, take care. If you enjoyed today's episode, whether on YouTube or your favorite podcast app, make sure to like, subscribe, comment, or give a five-star review. And if you want to reach out or provide feedback, shoot us a note at podcast at novic.co or find us on Twitter and LinkedIn. Plus, if you want to learn more about what Novic has to offer, make sure to check out our website, www.novic.co. There, you can sign up for the number one games industry newsletter, Novic Digest, or contact us to learn about our wide-ranging consulting and advisory services. Again, that is www.novic.co. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you in the next episode.